All right, let's crack up. I've got a little red. I've got a little red wine though, so I am comfy. Oh, I'm I'm being a stereotype. I have a can of own brew. <laughs> nice, what? with a Very massive topical. straw. Yeah, love it. <laughs> the topical drink of COP twenty six, wasn't it? Own brew. Oh they yes, were it was. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do they want to be any more patronising to Scotland? Oh my god! <laughs> to be I, fair, I, like there, if you, nobody in Scotland hates Iron Brew, so <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> And welcome to the Cultcast. This is episode 11. I am your host, Nate, and today I am joined by two lovely, lovely guests. First up, I have got regular contributor, Laurie Eggleston. Hello, Laurie. Hi, Nate. How's it going? Very good, thank you. Thanks for joining me. Well, and second you. up, we, ha- we have got a guest this evening as well, the lovely Rose. Hi, Rose. Hi, hello. Sorry, I should say Rose Newcomb. Rose could be anyone. Yes. <laughs> Our little record girl, as my internet uh, brand name is. Lovely. Hi, how are you, Rose? Thanks for joining us this evening. I'm good. I'm just um, I'm coping with my what's left over of my birthday antics, so I'm still recovering a bit. <laughs> That's absolutely fair. Did you get much sleep this weekend? No, I did. I slept all day yesterday. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit annoyed because I got lots of video games and I was like, yeah, I'm going to play them all tomorrow. And then I'm like, nope, <laughs> can't muster it. I realised that at a certain age, I'm like, I can either drink or play games. Playing both is not an option. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we are here today to talk about the N64, because everyone here is a massive N64 fan. So what we're going to dive into later on is a little bit of the history of the console, kind of the legacy of the games, and maybe the current state of things like Nintendo Switch Online. Um, so you've got that to look forward to, guys, so don't click away. But before we do that, we have to do something with all of our new guests. Rose, I'm sure you've seen this by now, but we do this, a little something called the Cultcast Mash before anything else. And this is an idea of, um, you know, we get to know your taste, we get to know your interests, and make something hopefully really funny as we do it. Um, so, <laughs> what? It generally ends up funny anyway, because most people have weird interests. Mm. <laughs> Um, so, Rose, we're going to dive in. Yep. I'm going to start making a story with two of your favourite video game characters. Well, one of them is Aerith from Final Fantasy VII. Love it. Uh, I, I was trying to be really unobvious and I'd be like, Link from the Zelda franchise, because that's really unoriginal. But maybe Majora's Mask Link specifically? That's a child Link. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and... Yeah, 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 I'll go with that. I know it's very unoriginal, but... Um, no, that's fine. That's fine. You've put a twist on boy. it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, so now they get dropped into the world of the last game you played. Which was, uh, I'm currently playing Tales of Arise. Okay, that's pretty cool. So, game, so it's, it's actually, which actually, to be fair, is quite, the plot's quite similar to Spire Fantasy VII, so... <laughs> yeah, a, a fantastical JRPG world. Yes, exactly. I like that. Uh, the story is the movie that you've watched the most. Right, so this is either Titanic <laughs> or Jaws. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say... It's your choice. I don't want to admit that it's Titanic because it's a bit embarrassing, but uh, so I'll say Jaws. Okay, okay. Uh, so this this wonderful RPG world is being terrorised by a shark and it's up to 
Aerith and Child Link to stop them. <laughs> to be fair, Child Link's got a boat, so that does help. Or he could transform into um, the Zora. And also, yes, play his little guitar. Okay, yeah. I'm here for that. Yeah. What's I mean, Aerith doing? George would George? definitely eat a little Zora, though, surely. Yes, I am thinking or he'd that. at least lose an arm or a leg, because <laughs> it's got to have some sort of trauma. <laughs> I don't want to see Aerith die a different way. Dun, dun. Not in that <laughs> way, no. Dun, dun. Um, and then dun, dun, your favourite song dun, dun, plays over the credits. Dun, dun, dun. Um, <laughs> so it's probably like Gigantic by the Pixies. <laughs> hey, that's that's an epic finish. I like yeah. that. That's good. Nice. Okay, that the Pixies is such a good shout as well. I really like yes, that. Yes, I love them. Amazing. All right, that's that's a lovely little peek into your interests. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Sharks. I haven't played. <laughs> I haven't played any of Tales of Arise, but I hear it's amazing, and I I'm a big JRPG man, so I feel like I'm missing out. Yeah, I was originally going to get the PS4 version, and then my amazing sister-in-law tracked down a PS5 for us like the start of this month, and she was like, "Here, have the game for your birthday early," and I was like, <gasps> and "So, um, Not it's probably cool. one of the most beautiful games I've ever played in my life, and I don't know if that's." Because it's a PS5 specifically, because it's obviously a better hardware than what I was used to. But oh my god, it's beautiful. And even the English dub as well for the voice acting is amazing. They, they've definitely upped their game from the last Tales of game I've played. Very impressive for her, to be honest. Nice. I, I, I've played so many RPG games this year, so I don't even think I could <laughs> fit it in if I tried. I, being a games reviewer in an RPG-heavy year is tough. Yes, it's been it's tough. long now, aren't they? Oh. <laughs> And you must get like a week to, to play them all. And it's like, oh, it's okay. It's only 100 hours. You, you can do that, right? <laughs> so sometimes I get death? two weeks. Sometimes two. I get two weeks. Sometimes I get a lot less time. Like Shin Megami Tensei Five, I luckily had a lot of time. Um, but that was sti- that's still like an 80-hour game. I do fancy that. Did you play it on the normal difficulty? Because I've heard that I- it's like really, really difficult. No, no, I'm a games journalist. I watched that straight down to casual. Right, okay, yeah. I was just like, <laughs> I, I really want it. And people are like, it's really difficult. And I'm like, yeah, oh, to be, no. <laughs> to be fair, I swapped between normal and casual as I, as I felt was necessary. Because as much as it was fun to figure out the puzzles of the bosses, as soon as I understood it, I didn't need to struggle anymore. So I was like, yeah. I just need to get past this now. Yeah. I, wasn't like, pa- I wasn't like powering through boss fights I needed to figure out. It was more like, cool, I've got this now. If I die again, let's pop it down to casual. Um, which I think is fair. Also, I've got to play the entire thing. Sod off. Get off my back. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very um, corrupt to me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking <laughs> of games journalism, Rose, why don't yeah. you tell our lovely, lovely listeners a little bit about your work and what you do? Yeah, so I've actually only got my first published um, pieces this year on Tech Radar. Um, and I was very, it's probably like a dream come true because I've kind of wanted to do games journalism for a while. Uh, but before that, um, I have a music background. Um, I'm a professionally trained a trained jazz singer. Uh, I did violin for years and big band and all that kind of things. Uh, but whenever I had the opportunity to write about music that didn't happen to be video game music, I did. <laughs> and I would. Um, so I've always wanted to work in games in some shape or form. I just happened to... My dream is to do games journalism and to be a singer and voice actor for and a composer, if I can, for games as a whole. So I've kind of got, you know, jack jack of all trades. I'm doing little bits as I can. Um, maybe I can be like the future Toby Fox or something, who knows. Um, 
But yeah, I got uh, my first piece was about Shemnu on the Dreamcast, uh, and it went down very well, apparently. So I'm quite chuffed. I'm excited for what the future holds. Andrew's gonna love hearing that. <laughs> Shemnu is like my. It's not my favorite game of all time, uh, but it's my favorite game of all time is an N64 game, funnily enough. But no, it's yeah, it was it was a, something I've wanted to share for a long time, and it was like ah, that sense of relief where you're like, I got it out in the best way I can. People. Yeah reacted to it in a lovely way and it was just it was just awesome yeah, that's amazing i, I mean, mean those, you're definitely going to fit in around here with, with <laughs> <these>. <laughs> yeah i mean we we've already alluded to the fact that uh lock on volume three might have something to do with a little console called the dreamcast Ooh. so if you if you have any more words you want to get across i think there may still be time to talk to andrew or ben but uh, i may i may be wrong i'm not the editor so if we are out of time and space, don't shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, Dreamcast is my um, my other favorite console of all time ever. So I have a lot more I can say on that. <laughs> well, definitely look forward to Lock On Volume Three. But before mm-hmm. you do that, Lock On Volume Two is getting there. It's very near. I won't say exactly where we are because so many things can happen. We are a worldwide production. Um, and it gets there when it gets there, but we're closer than we've ever been, obviously, and we're very, very excited to get that to people. So if you are a backer of Lock On, please do make sure that you are um, uh, maybe having a look at our members club, because it's got work from all of the writers that are contribute to the actual magazine, as well as a couple of other people. It's kind of like a little passion project we get to do on the side. Uh, don't worry, we do all get paid, so it's not that bad. Um, but it's it's kind of a way that we get to experiment and it's how I do a lot of my most kind of interest like for me my most interesting and fun and personal writing that I maybe can't do at other times so um, if you aren't already have a look at our members club Uh, you can get this podcast a week early you can get access to all of our uh, members club articles and you can also get access to lost pages which is our new comic series where we commission artists to make a single panel of a comic and they make up an entire world, an entire story, and they try and tell as much as they can within a single page. And it's this kind of air of mystery and some of the stuff we've got is absolutely incredible so far. So um, yeah, if you like our mag, honestly, the team is working hard to give you loads of great content if you want it. Um, it just chuck us a few quid and there's a lot more to unlock there. And I love everything we're putting out. I'm so proud of our team. It is so good, and it's so it's like interesting, is what I would say. There's just so many cool ideas and, and things that people come up there. It's always so nice to get the emails with just random articles or artwork and stuff. Just push straight yeah. to you. It's great. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Like the, also, they literally let us write about anything we're genuinely interested in. Yeah. My my last uh, recommendation was a, a iPhone app from 2008. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> So yeah, we, we can honestly do whatever we want as long as we're interested. And I think that is uh, appealing to a lot of writers that you can actually mm. have the creative freedom you want. I've got a recommendation I need to write next week. I don't know if I should share what it is about yet. But. Well, no, I mean, people might be listening to this just before, so don't spoil the surprise. Okay. This, this yeah, because it is nice, time. isn't it? When you get the surprise email, you think, ooh. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, my last thing I did was just looking at a uh, kind of state of play about Nintendo going into 2022, which is exciting times for them. It is. It is looking like a very exciting year. But do you know what else was an exciting year? Mm. 1996. That's why we pay Nate the big bucks. That segue. Exactly. <laughs> what a good oh, segue. God. The, <laughs> the Spice Girls were the height of popularity. Oh, I was seven years old and <laughs> the N64 was launching in Japan. Um, the, I mean, 
I can't believe it's 25 years old. I don't want to make myself feel ancient, but I have absolutely done by looking back at this. Yeah, thanks, um, thanks for rubbing it in just after my birthday. <laughs> I, had, I, had so spi- I had the Spice Girls albums on tape. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I've, I ha- I've still got a lot of my original VHS tapes, and I've got, like, my, my, to be fair, my very first console took tapes. So uh, oh, yeah, that's, that's how old I am. <laughs> Um, so the N64, it has been the 25th anniversary this year, and it's had a little bit of a resurgence thanks to its availability on the Nintendo Switch Online app. It's been great to see it get a bit more visibility. A lot of people who have maybe never seen or played these games uh, touch them for the first time, and they're kind of learning, you know, it was an interesting time for gaming because it was a lot of firsts, and it's very rare people get things right on the first try. But it's good. People were bold. People were doing fun things. And I think, um, you know, the N64 may not be the most successful Nintendo console of all time, but it's a very, very important one. And it kind of um, heralds uh, an era of gaming that, you know, now we, we can't imagine without when we talk about 3D platformers and kind of multiplayer and stuff like... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a wonderful thing. But what, what I wanted to get started with is kind of our initial memories with the console. If we can throw our minds back several decades. <laughs> um, guys, what was everyone's first memory with the N64? And if you can remember it, do you know what your very first games were? I do, but you, I don't know if I... Who, who wants to go first? You go first. Go on, right. so I, want, right. I want to hear so, yours. It starts off a little bit sad. I grew up in like a single parent, young single parent background, so we didn't really get Brand new game consoles wasn't really a thing. And to be honest, most of my games were hand-me-downs from cousins and stuff that were bored of them. And um, we had a SNES when I was growing up, and then my mum gave it away for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> and then I really wanted a SNES again. And I was like, Mum, I want SNES for my birthday. And there's um there's this second-hand game shop in Leith in Edinburgh called Game Masters, which I think still opens on a random Saturday to this very day. And they had this big box SNES in the window. It's a Star Fox one. And I think it was £20. And you're never going to see that ever again. And I used to point to it and be like, I want the box one, I want it. And then it was my birthday that year. I wasn't, it must have been a, a year maybe into the N64 release, I think. Because I think I was six, seven years old. And I opened a box and it was, yeah, it wasn't in its original box. It was secondhand. But I got my N64, uh, Super Mario 64. And the ever amazing International Super Soccer sixty four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, which we tried to trade we tried to trade it in and the guy was like, nah, we've already got twenty one copies. We're like, oh, okay. So I think I actually still have that in my gaming cupboard, like to this day. <laughs> um but I would think one of my first friends to get an N sixty four, so it was like a huge deal, and I just instantly put Mario on and I was just like blown away and it was such an exciting it was really unusual for her to I've been able to get that as well, so it just kind of made it made it an even you know cooler experience that she probably still couldn't afforded it, but knew I wanted one so badly. And now to this day, that copy, the exact copy, I've gotten signed by Mario himself, and it's like it's like oh, it's still with me. It might not work anymore, but it's still here. <laughs> That's incredible. So you actually have it signed by Charles Martinet? Yeah, he came to Glasgow. Oh, was it pre pre pandemic? Uh, and he signed that. He also signed me a poster for free because um, I told him that I want to have a Nintendo themed wedding. And he, so he got this massive poster and also signed it to like, oh, congrats, Princess Rosalie. And he was, oh my God, he's such a lovely guy. Mm. But the fact it's my childhood copy that he signed, it's just like, oh, <laughs> it's a treasure. 
I think I would cry. I would. Yeah, have, <laughs> I was yeah. like shaking. <laughs> I was like, I am an adult. I shouldn't be like this. Like, oh my god, it's Mario. But no, I was. <laughs> it still, it still breaks my heart. He's not the voice of Mario in the Mario movie. The role he has earned for decades of hard work. But it doesn't matter. We're not talking about that today. Oh, no. I've already, I've already spoken about it loads. <laughs> we, we, if we want to be home, want to be in bed before midnight. I need to not talk about Chris Pratt. Yeah. Right, Laurie. I want to hear about your first experience with the N64. What do you remember? Throw your mind back. I think the first time I ever saw one was, it must have been like in a Virgin Megastores or R-Price or something. You used to have like these demo stations. And having grown up, having had a NES or a, and a SNES, uh, I was obviously not going to get it. It's first year out. So I think like a whole year of going into town at the weekends and just seeing, playing Mario 64 on a demo station, just like the first level. Like, it was just like 10 minutes of it. It's just being like, this is amazing. <laughs> just being able to use the the analog stick. And be like, this is amazing. And then to go home and play on the SNES and just look at it like, I still love you, but it's just not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> um, and then I think I got it for Christmas 98, which I only worked out by the games that I got with it. Um, where Mario, I basically just asked all of my family because I knew I was getting one. So just ask look, any kind of family and aunts and uncles. Or, this is this is what I want. Just get me games for it. That's fine. So I don't know why I can remember this, but I can remember I got Mario sixty four, obviously, Lilac Wars, uh, Goldeneye, uh, and FIFA sixty four. Which oh well, I think that came free with it, which is the, the shittiest football game that anyone will ever play. It's terrible. <laughs> But uh, I had uh, my brother and my stepbrothers at the time, we were playing uh, like Goldeneye. And I think we probably only had one controller, so we were just taking it in terms of passing the controller, working through the campaign. And I could just really remember it just being hilarious because that night, so Christmas Christmas Day, the night of, um, my my older stepbrother like, woke up in the night having nightmares after we'd all been playing Goldeneye all day. And just the rest of us just absolutely ripped the piss out of him all the Boxing Day just because he'd been having nightmares about Goldeneye and you know, shooting people and stuff. What, what specifically scared him? Was it the Donkey Kong mode? Or? <laughs> no, I just think, you know, the, the, that hyper-realism in, right, in the okay, kind of yeah. graphics and yes. the kind of intensity of it. And stuff. And obviously, like, it's harrowing. Yeah, obviously he's like... Mum, his mum, my stepmom was just like, leave him alone, leave him alone. And obviously, like, his, his, his three brothers and stepbrothers were just like, there's no way we're going to leave him alone. <laughs> just constantly ripping the piss out of him and just, yeah, because we were just mean, mean young boys. That's, that's what's um, Yeah, absolutely. But because it was like family get together Christmas, it was only really, I think it was only really when like kind of we ended up going home and um, back to my mum's house and just just having the N64 to myself in the room and just be, actually be able to really settle down and play play uh, stuff like Mario on my own. That's just so good. Great times. Yeah, it was it was a good console for growing up in a house with uh, with siblings and stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, actually having all four ports on there and then suddenly you've got games like Diddy Kong Racing and Mario Kart and GoldenEye. Like, it was, it was one of the first times, I think, it was so easy to play with other people. It, it's so formative for people of our generation because of that, I think. I used mm-hmm. to bring mine to... Um, my mum used to go to house parties and she couldn't find a babysitter. So she used to bring me and then bring my N64, put me in the room with all the jackets. <laughs> and then the all the, the people at the party were bored of the party and used to regularly come through and try to find, like, you know, play with me in Goldeneye. And apparently I beat 22 people in a row. 
I probably can do that now, but um, my mum always says well, that's one of your best best things ever. You know, but if you ever get a job at Nintendo, that's what you tell them. <laughs> I'm like, eh. <laughs> I'm not sure that's as cool as you no. think, mum. But I, okay, thank you. <laughs> that's an incredible kill streak. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely can do that now. Definitely can. <laughs> um, it's just kind of like the uh, Switch reveal advert with Karen on the rooftop party, and like that is what the N64 was like, wasn't it? If you had one of those, people would. Just gravitate around it, and just because everyone yeah, could just jump in really easily. Um, especially Mario Kart was just like yeah. anyone can play that game, even if you've never played a game before. It's you can have fun, so, and even if you're losing, you can have fun just messing up the people that are winning. <laughs> yes, so genius, <laughs> yes. such a good. Or if you're bored, you can drive up to Princess Peach's castle. Yeah, so I remember the first time I saw one was around a friend's house. I knew they existed, um, but I didn't have one because we had a, a we had a PlayStation. I don't think we got um, RN64 until... Hey, I, I didn't get a Nintendo console for ages. I was a Sega boy through and Ooh. through. Oh. I had my Master, I, I had my master System. Yeah, I know, man. I know. I mean, well, I, I jumped ship, didn't I? Obviously. Master Why wouldn't system, I? You poor, you poor, you <laughs> I, had poor kid. Ma- I had a Master System. I had a Mega Drive. My first uh, Nintendo console was a Game Boy. We did eventually get uh, an SNES, but... Um, we didn't get the N64 until I was a little bit older. And I remember going around a friend's house and they had Mario 64. And he was like, oh, do you want to go? And I'm trying to wrap my head around it. and trying to play it. I was just like, no, this is too much. This is meant, like, <laughs> it, it, it freaked me out because I was just like, there's too many buttons. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. I don't Still know how to control this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I um, like the controller. <laughs> it's, I, I warmed to it. So eventually, I think maybe the next Christmas... And we got an N64 in our house. And my first games were NBA Jam, uh, Turok 2, Seeds uh-huh. of Evil. Oh, wow. So it was quite late on then. Yeah. Turok. And um, uh, Mario Kart 64 as well. So that was a good that's a good run of games. We yeah. played so much, so much NBA Jam as well. I really loved that game. Um, but I never owned Super Mario 64, my N64. We just never got around to buying it. Um, I never either played Ocarina of Time on my N64. Uh, <gasps> both of these games I played for the first time on the DS and the 3DS, respectively. Um, oh. No, actually, no. Tell a, tell a lie. The first time I played Ocarina of Time was on the GameCube because I got the preview disc with uh, Wind Waker. Yes, that is a really good There we go. I remember yeah. now. Um, I yeah. on it. Yeah, so it wasn't until I was old enough that I started um, stupidly throwing my money at eBay and and CEX that I I retroactively got all of these games. But um, I I still had a load of them for my N64. We carried it with us everywhere. We picked up games like Diddy Kong Racing and stuff as well. Um, Like, I I adored that console, but my collection of games is slightly weirder than other people's. Like, I really remember... um, uh, Oh, God, what was it called? Um, uh, Jeffrey's Game and no, I know it's it's that is a weird one. Like, people always bring. No, 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 yeah. Mischief Makers. That was the one. <gasps> That's one of my favorite games of all time. <laughs> yes. So shake, shake, weird, shake, shake. Weirdly, really remember that. I uh, and we had a we had a Sega Saturn as well. So like, I had so many weird games. Um, I was <laughs> I was very I was very spoiled because my dad um, worked in a pub at the time. Uh, I, I, he, my dad's a DJ has been for all his life um, and he but you know not like a spinning the decks dj he's a sort of like and coming up next this hit from this year dj and he also sold ripped games and cds at the back of his uh his car so we had like a playstation with all of the chip discs so um 
he he also had friends that would like bring us around consoles and stuff. So I had a weird childhood where I got access to some things but not others. It was great. It was wonderful. Um, but anyway, yeah, I really remember uh, my N sixty four especially. Like we used to go on caravan holidays down to um, like the south coast, and we'd just take the N sixty four. Me and my brother just wouldn't go outside. We'd just play <laughs> Mario Kart. Like with my dad, and my dad was determined to beat us, and he—it was just—and and, and as well, Diddy Kong Racing stands in my memory way more uh, because a, it's a better game, and b, yeah. uh, there was there was so much more you could do in it. Actually, doing the missions, like, yeah, I know that's way more than my original uh, contact with N sixty four, but you know, I get excited. So um, yeah, I, I I must have got it a lot. I can't remember the exact birthday. I think I may have been ten by the time we finally got one. Because well, Turok two, obviously, you needed the expansion pack, and that was quite. Quite yes, must, you, must be. Do you guys remember when that was a thing and that that CBBC TV show was like Exchange or something? It was called. It was like the kids' version of what Watchdogs, and they had a whole expose about how dare Nintendo not give the expansion pack for free, and Nintendo oh, had God. to give refunds and things. That always just stuck in my mind when, like, Majora's Mask and all the games that required it came out. I've never forgot that. You could play the mighty Donkey God. Kong sixty four. Yeah. You can play Perfect Dark without it, but only the bots in deathmatch mode. It's like, that's not really the game, is it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember, like, with Turok 2, they used to, it was a huge... I remember, like, in magazines, like, oh, it's amazing. It turns your N64 into a high-end PC. It can do 640 by 480 <laughs> at 20 frames a second. And, like, it's just so... Like, if you watch Turok 2 now, it just looks so terrible. Um, but, like, at the hey, time, hey. we were all like, wow, it's so amazing. Mate, what you- when you're 10 years old and you unlock a gun called the Cerebral Boar, oh, yeah, you yeah, don't no. care. <laughs> I absolutely love Turtle too at the time. Don't get me wrong. I'm so excited yeah. to you know, get the little spoon thing and sort of flick out the, the thing that was in there before. And then you plug yeah. in the... You felt so like... I'm like, you know, modding my, modding my 64 here. It was really, really high-tech yeah. stuff that I'm doing here. <laughs> so I think... I'm, oh, sorry. Oh, no, no. What I was going to say was, I think um, after GoldenEye being my most played game, our N64 was a Pokemon machine. So, like, we we were playing Pokemon Stadium, we were playing Pokemon Snap. Like, I'm shocked. I'm shocked to hear this about you, Nate. I can't believe it. Yes. (laughs) Played the mini games in Pokemon Stadium alone to death. Like, I. I, Some of the best mini games ever, to be honest. Ekans, Ekans Task, the fairy says, they are in my brain forever. Um, like that, that, I think that must have been one of the ones as well that like everybody had because I knew so many people that had the little add-on for your Game Boy so you could send your Pokemon over. Like, I I don't know if anybody knows. Like, obviously Pokemon's big now, but in the nineties when we were kids, Pokemon was insane. You think it's big now? It was like madness in the nineties. It was like Beatlemania. Yep. Like every kid needed one. It's 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 so like they got banned in every school. Yep. Like the Pokemon cards, the games. It was it was ridiculous, and I think that ended up being what I used my N sixty four for more than anything else in the end. Well, because the um, the expansion pack that you got, if you put your actual cartridge in, you could play it like three times the speed. So it was way better to play Pokemon Yellow on yep. the uh, Pokemon Stadium than it was to actually play it on your Game Boy. So everybody wanted them for that reason. Even yes. Pokemon Stadium 2 had the cool thing where if you put your gold, silver, crystal cartridge in it, you could see your room that you designed, but like in N64 graphics, which I thought was really cool. Yes. Mm. No, no, that, when, like, obviously, when we were playing Pokemon on the Game Boy, to even have it on the television with, yeah. the, anou- with the announcer, like, that's a direct hit. Like, <laughs> that, 
it blew our minds. It was incredible. Mm. I and it, you know I, I don't think Pokemon animations have been better uh, since then. But that's you know that's because they're making it for nine hundred Pokemon. That's a different chat. I'm not going to get into. I I still can't believe they haven't done uh, like I know there technically was one that was on the Wii, but they haven't you know ported them, remade them. Maybe they might because Pokemon Snap, the one on the Switch, was quite popular. But yeah, it seems like they're missing out there. I th- I know obviously we we've stopped getting things like Pokemon Battle Revolution because now the games exist on home consoles. There's no need. That just is that just is the battling within uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. But I do agree. Even something like if we were to get Pokemon Stadium on Nintendo Switch Online, I don't care if it's just rental Pokemon. That's fine. I mean, in an ideal world, maybe you do put Game Boy games on the Nintendo Switch Online service. They work with Pokemon Home, and Pokemon Stadium works with Home. That's that's an ideal world, yeah. but if it, even if it was just rental Pokemon, and I could play it online with people, that would be incredible. I, I, I'd, I'd take that. Um, and Pokemon Snap, I'm sure it's going to happen. I think they've already said Pokemon Snap is on the way for NSO. I think NSO. we did, yeah. I, yeah. I think it's just, there is, in some universe, there is a really epic Pokemon Stadium style game with really kind of realistic for Pokemon style graphics, really kind of epic but I just don't think Game Freak are the kind of company to make that. It's not the sort of. Well, I just can't see them doing that. The nearest we ever got wasn't Game Freak. It was Pokemon Coliseum and Pokemon XD oh. Gate of Darkness. But those are GameCube games. Um, but I would say they are probably still the best console Pokemon games. Um, I, again, I'm not throwing shade. I love Pokemon Sword and Shield. <laughs> You've turned I this just, into a Pokemon podcast, mate. I've just realised. Like, I'm, I'm a Pokemon fan as well, so that might be partially my fault. <laughs> Let's move on from Pokemon. N64, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, let's talk about kind of the legacy of the N64, because it has kind of gone down as, unfortunately, one of Nintendo's, not mistakes, but definitely not one of the most successful consoles, because obviously they turned down the opportunity to work with Sony. There's uh, somewhere out in the world, there is like three so- uh, Nintendo Playstations, and instead they wanted to go with cartridges because they wanted uh, faster loading speeds, but this came at the cost of both graphics and audio quality. So... And also, I think one of the main reasons um, the PlayStation ended up selling as well as it did, as well as, you know, getting a load of good games, they were so easily chipped. <laughs> they were so easily chipped. Everyone had one because you could get the games for five quid at the pub. Um, in the UK, anyway. Like, that was my experience with it. Was that the same for you guys? No, mine mine, mine was never hacked or anything. But again, because all, a lot of my cousins and stuff had one, that my library always kind of got quite expansive because they're like here we don't play this anymore have this at this and that's when i was introduced to grpgs so and sony was like the grpg console so um but no mine my mine, mine was never hacked or anything at all I, I never had a i never had one i had a friend at school that i swapped my 64 for his playstation and we sort of swapped all the games and that's my first introduction to metal gear solid which was a story um. for a completely different podcast but yeah, yeah i never <laughs> never really had it i bought I eventually bought one when it was a PS1, the little cute, cute little rounded mm. off one. Oh, I like I, that I one. bought that. Yeah. That was kind of right at the end of the generation when there was lots of... I didn't ever chip it. I don't know if you could chip the PS1s. I don't know. Um, but there were loads of classic... You know, all the games were kind of £10, £15 by that point anyway. Yeah. All the kind of rest yeah. of the collection. 
I, but I think that's one of the reasons why my N64 library was very slim mm. compared to PlayStation was because yeah, okay. you there's no you obviously your dad couldn't print off an N64 cartridge on the home yeah, PC. My dad um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it also kind of meant that um, there wasn't a lot of third party support for the N64 as well. No, well, um, <laughs> it's nothing changed. Yeah, it was it was it was basically a first party machine other than Rare. Um, who knocked out possibly a better library of titles than Nintendo did themselves mm-hmm. when it comes to first-party releases on the N64. Um, and I, let's, let's, let's dive into Rez N64 ca- catalogue. It's insane. Incredible. It's absolutely it's insane. Coming off the SNES, where they already proved themselves with the Donkey Kong Country games, we got Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, Goldeneye, we also got Perfect Dark, like which is essentially GoldenEye 2. Um, and it, it's I think it started life as GoldenEye 2, didn't it? Before it morphed into whatever. Um, like, what an incredible collection of games. Diddy Kong Racing, I nearly forgot that. And that was the one I owned to begin with. Blast Corpse? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was like one of the early, earliest games. Uh, you said it already, Rose, but Jet Force Gemini? Yes, that's a classic. So many more games. <laughs> I, yeah. I kind of went off gaming after the N64 and I kind of bought a Dreamcast and then went off to uni and stopped playing games for about 10 years. And when I kind of started paying attention again, because when I was a kid, I didn't really realize that Rare was kind of, it was just, they were just made N64 games in my head. So they were just kind of part of Nintendo. And I was like, what? No, they make games on Xbox now? What? How yeah. did that happen? <laughs> I was just so confused how that had happened. Like, they want Nintendo sold Rare off or their, their st- you know, they, they, they relinquished control. Like, are they mad? Like, what? What are they doing? It's like the only all of the good games on the N sixty four were made by Rare, and they let they let them go. I just and then since, well, I don't want to slag off uh, Microsoft's ownership of Rare, but they don't seem to have. Uh, yeah, if you compare that that library of what they made on the N sixty four generation yep. compared to what's come since, I think yeah, it's pretty fair to say this. Not, not we don't talk about nuts and bolts. Nuts and yeah. bolts. We yeah. just doesn't didn't happen. <laughs> Banjo, I can't wait for Banjo Kazooie to come to the Switch Online. Yes, I'm so happy that's been confirmed. But poor Rare didn't mm. get treated very nicely by Nintendo. So quite rightly took the money and went to Microsoft and then got treated worse, possibly. <laughs> like, do you know, I think even if Nintendo had bought them, they would have been used. They would have been making great games. But who knows? It, you know, that's the way the cookie grumbles. We've got things nowadays. Like we've got a Sea of Thieves and they're working on Everwild. And a lot of that team went their separate ways anyway. So it's, it's such a shame because... I, you know, obviously there's the idea of like a Banjo 3E. They were working on Donkey Kong Racing, weren't they? Was that a Game Boy Advance title? Um, I th- I th- I d- it doesn't matter. That's not N64. But, but, <laughs> yeah, just but, the output for that one studio is just absolutely incredible. They could be yeah, like, yeah. if they were still... If they were still doing that sort of stuff like now, there's there's no modern equivalent of a studio that's just producing that much kind of variety with that regular cadence of new releases. Just just so many different genres and IP and stuff. It's amazing. Only company I can think of since is Insomniac in their recent run. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's fair. In in terms of like uh, incredible games for a single platform, mm. uh, and they're just doing it over and over. And the pace of releases as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, games take longer to make nowadays. There's never going to be anybody that makes that many incredible games for one console again because it takes 300 member teams five years to make a video game. Um, but it's yeah, there's it's such a good thing to look back on. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh god, I can't wait for Banjo Kazooie on <laughs> Nintendo Switch Online. I've got the uh, NSO N64 controller as well. 
Oh, well, glad someone has. <laughs> I, I, I've got my eye on as soon as Nintendo things go online. I, I also get sent press releases and stuff, so I'm very sorry, but I do use my my insider knowledge to be like, I am going to put this. To be fair, most of the time, I'll put it in the chat, our, yeah, yeah, our, yeah, yeah, yeah. our WhatsApp chat. But so we, did the, we did the group NSO membership, didn't we, is uh, the... The Lost in Cult. Yeah, gang. I, did I was membership, and it was only the day that we did that. It went active the day that no switch went on. So I thought, oh, I'll go get one of the controllers, and it's already sold out. And like, oh, okay. Oh, I'll register my interest. I'm sure they'll be back in stock soon. They just launched this new service today. Surely they're not going to be out of stock for very long. No, no, next year. <laughs> Fuck's sake, guys! Come on, <laughs> you must know. Like we've had NES controllers, we've had SNES controllers. They must know vaguely what percentage of people will want these. These things, I just well, I mean, it drive don't me be stuck amiibos. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't yes. like with the the SNES. You don't really need one to play. You know, the Switch controller is the Joy-Con, the broadly Absolutely equivalent. Fine, yeah. But mm-hmm. the, you know, the N sixty four one is pretty essential. Um, you don't need it. You can play obviously with the Joy-Con, but yeah, it's, it's quite distracting to have to kind of remap the controls in your head. Yeah. When you were when you were talking about Banjo um, Kazooie, when um, they got announced for um, Smash Brothers. I think because you know it was quite usually quite late, or um, I think my partner was asleep. <laughs> and I wish I filmed. I wish I filmed my reaction because I literally screamed, was crying, and I was like, "Banjo, Banjo!" Uh, and I yeah. think I, I should have apologized to my neighbors for that because oh my god, I was just so happy. <laughs> that was a great kind of fake out trailer as well, didn't they? Where I think it was, yeah, they it was going to be something else. And oh yeah, they popped up. So I. I remember exactly the time and the date. Uh, it was it was Tuesday, June eleventh, and it was about five p.m. Uh, okay, and and I remember this because it's my stepdaughter's birthday, and we had a table booked for six. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> they were trying to get me out of the house during Nintendo's E three presentation, and as soon as Banjo got announced, I was crying. <laughs> I was genuinely like overcome with emotion. I was so happy for anyone involved at Rare who had managed to make it happen. Yeah. I was so happy for Grant Kirkhope. Um, and obviously, my partner and my stepdaughter were like, can we go, please? And I was just like, no, there's more, there's more to come. <laughs> and, then, and then obviously, there was the Legend of Zelda announcement, uh, Breath of the Wild 2. And again, I was just like, ah! So we had to go for a, a completely normal meal with my partner's family who don't care about video games. And I was just sat there like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your partner knows now. You know, this is what you get if you're going to go out with Nate. <laughs> you have to be prepared for. My, my partner's <laughs> known since, since the very first time she came to my bedroom and saw shelves and shelves <laughs> of amiibo. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a Zelda shrine in in my house, and um, my partner's a nerd, but he didn't really appreciate how much of a nerd when we started dating, and he was just like, "Oh my god." <laughs> and it's just like Zelda everywhere, anime figures everywhere. And then I showed him my game cupboard, and he's like, "Ah." Yes, I think I'll keep dating you. <laughs> <laughs> Games to share, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my uh, my my stepchild as well. A little while ago, um, played N sixty four games for the first time. This was way before the NSO, um, so they actually hooked up an N sixty four, and obviously we're just like, this is so ugly. I can't see anything. How did you play these games? And obviously you're like. I know you're right, but also this hurts. <laughs> they, I mean, they are right because they have—they have aged really badly, and it's just kind of terribly. But at the time, it was kind of the first proper 3D console. I know the, the PlayStation was 3D as well, but it's kind of yeah. They—they they, they made that analog stick to actually in the movable camera. Like when PlayStation did 3D, it was like um, 
Crash Bandicoot. So it's, it's 3D, yeah, but it's quite locked and grid. using a D, yeah, yeah. using a, a D-pad. Whereas this kind of gave the first game, and it was kind of they were forging those steps in the industry, just trying to work out how to have a camera move around. I mean, you hear like Miyamoto work out how he kind of thought the idea to put it in the um, in the cloud guide, following Mario around the key too. Yeah, the key too, just to follow and camera around, and it's just such a smart smart trick and it's like you just imagine just like them trying to kind of brainstorm ideas and come up with that and it's like oh we've cracked it great no one else has worked this out yet we know we've cracked it we can move on and so it yeah. just feels like such an important console for that for just how they managed to sort of find their feet for everyone really and it's the kind of inventions that they did now we just take take for granted 100 percent. like to think that um you know super mario 64 was there day one it was it was not only one of the first steps into real 3D gaming. It did it better than almost any game for years after. Like it, they made so many smart choices. They pioneered the genre, and you're right. They made the choices that changed every other game that came after it. You know, we you know we look at um, Zelda and things like Z target, uh, targeting as well. And it's the choices Nintendo made in those years shaped the entire industry. Mm. And it was because you know they went into 3D gaming. With, you know, not experience of 3D gaming, but experience of smart game design, experience of problem solving. And I, it's still so mm. groundbreaking for the decisions made. Like, it's, yeah, it's astonishing. I was playing Assassin's Creed last night for my sins, and uh, you, you push in the right stick and you focus, you target on an enemy. And that's, that's the targeting. It's exactly the same concept still being used. Um, and just we do it now without thinking about it. We take it for granted that you click in, you focus your attacks on one enemy. It's just it's so simple. But otherwise, you're, you're flailing around trying to navigate a camera and point in different directions at the same time. It's just really awkward. Um, That's it. Yeah, you, you play any 3D game with combat without Z targeting. And you spend so much of your time, yeah, like, where am I attacking? I can't see behind me. I've got no <laughs> idea of the greater kind of area of, uh, of, of battle or whatever. Hmm. Yeah, Ghost of Tsushima doesn't have it, and it is weird. <laughs> you do notice when it's not there. But there's so many games uh-huh. that, yeah, you kind of felt like it was kind of this experimental time when you you play new games. But like for a lot of people, I'm pretty sure for myself, I'm trying to think, I might have played like Doom and Quake, but it was kind of the first time a lot of people played first-person shoot-em-ups because outside of a PC, it was the first first-person shooters. And GoldenEye was just the most realistic by far at the time, if you can compare it to kind of Doom and... Yeah, the fact that you could sort of yeah. zoom in on a sniper rifle and shoot out security cameras was just so like insanely mind blowing and cool, and just like, again now it's just like laughably basic the whole premise of it all. But it just was so cool at the time, and you yeah. kind of you don't think about it because Nintendo aren't known for their power now. But the N sixty four was a really powerful machine, and that was their kind of marketing was all based on on that. There was all that silicon graphics chip yeah. and stuff, and uh, when you see the the ripples of when Mario jumps into a painting or Metal Mario reflections on him and stuff, that was like the equivalent of like ray tracing back then. It was yeah, really cool, really modern tech, and it was yeah, really exciting to to play those games with it. In. Yeah, I like even things. I remember stuff like just the proximity mine oh, in so- Goldeneye was like <laughs> such a mind blowing concept in my head of like. The game understands this, like, you know, uh, exploring a game in 3D space and the game itself understands proximity and stuff was mind blowing after, you know, much as we had games like Star Fox before, I think that was the first time I ever experienced anything that I would have equated to 3D graphics. Like that step was remarkable to have that at such a formative age was, was insane. There, I, there, there won't 
because of the nature of, you know, dimensions, there won't be a jump like that again. Um, mm. And to have that kind of in our childhood was was a really magical moment. Yeah, it's the, the jump from the SNES to the N64, I was just going to say that, was just so remarkable at the time. Seeing <laughs> Nintendo reinterpret all of their games in a kind of 3D space, to go from Link to the Past to Ocarina of Time was just such a huge leap. But still the same franchise that you know, but just now completely reinvented. It was incredible. Yeah. And talking of Ocarina of Time, let's so let's go on oh, to let's let's talk about <laughs> our favourite N64 games because I'm sure this is going to be someone's. Uh, I I know mine in in hindsight. Uh, I've played I've played a lot since, but I want to hear everyone else's first. Rosie. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. I, I don't know why I said Rosie. You haven't said that at any point. No, that's why people <laughs> say that's 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 also one of my names. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, let me let me know your favorite N sixty four game though. I do feel uh, like we've already mentioned it. Yeah, it used to be Ocarina of Time, mm-hmm. uh, but as I grew older, it was it's Majora's Mask, <clears throat> which okay. I know is like it's like Marmite. People love it or they hate it. I still think it's quite difficult. But what they did with the plot and making it quite dark and there's all these like side quests and if you don't do certain things then it's like heartbreaking that atmosphere the soundtrack okay. just the, like i just thought it was it's, I, I still love it this is gonna sound <laughs> ridiculous but don't spoil anything because i still never played majora's mask and i'm really no, excited no, oh, it's coming yeah, to switch okay. online oh, have you not no i know like but when it came out i i think that's at the point i bought my ps1 at that point so i was buying all those kind of games and stuff um and yeah i just it never I went off gaming then, and when it came out for the 3DS, I almost bought it then, but it's been like 40 quid, and it said it's 40 quid, and I just like, I thought, I'll just buy this when it appears on the virtual console on the Switch, naively, uh, thinking it would be there on day one of the Switch. Um, and it's now, finally, it's now coming to a console that I own and can play. Um, so I'm really, I'm really looking forward to actually playing that for the first time. I would almost recommend just getting the 3DS version, but there is some major differences. Um, it's yeah. not just kind of visuals. There are some differences to controls, to the ways the powers work, that they are markedly different versions. It's actually a lot more different than the two versions of Ocarina of Time. Hmm. Um, so, But there's a load of quality of life stuff, so things like the Bomber's Notebook and... Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, for me, I agree. I think Majora's Mask is the better of the two games. Um, I think it's got possibly the best Zelda story to this day. Yep. Um, even if it didn't mechanically innovate too much, what they did decide to do was like, okay, cool, we can't do the next big thing, so let's go left. You know, let's let's make the weirdest story we can. And you're and you're right, kind of so many different people you can talk to, so many different things you can you can interact with. Like, I'm never going to forget like the little side mission with the uh, yeah, the side mission with the cows and oh uh, god, yeah. I don't um, want to ruin I, that for Laurie. But uh, <laughs> I, won't, I won't ruin it as well. But then Andrew and Cafe's story is probably one of my favourite bits of any video game. Is still just like oh, my heart bleeds. So it's 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 definitely even now it's definitely like an amazing experience. But it it is a bit fiddly with the whole time thing um so don't if you know if you use a guide i would not hold that against you <laughs> yes i think i'd probably I recommend playing guide, it yes. with a guide <laughs> yeah i would probably recommend playing it with a guide yeah yeah i'm definitely um, going to play the switch version or the nso version just because uh must, I'll, I'll play it through with my son and he much prefers playing stuff on the telly rather than the 3ds we have just played through all of ocarina yeah. of time together on the 3ds which was we played through it and completed it about a week before it came to NSO, but um, he really enjoyed playing that. <laughs> um, he doesn't want to play Link to the Past. He kind of says that's kind of olden days. 
um, olden day Zelda, which just strikes me. <laughs> Sacrilege. It's just like a dagger. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, you wound me so grievously, my yeah. son. Um, like Can my you mind. maybe get him in with Link Between Worlds? Mm, he quite oh, likes yeah. that one. That's the that's the wall one. He calls that one the wall Zelda. Yeah. Um, but no, he, he likes the 3D ones. He just started replaying Link's Awakening remake because um, he likes that one. Yeah. Brilliant. That's another great one. God, oh, you, you've got a great kid there. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to do my best to expose him to all the Zelda games. I just I need uh, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess to bloody come to Switch already because I don't want to come out and buy yeah. something Wii U just to I play the two games. I thought they were going to do that. Like anniversary, and I, I know it's because of the pandemic and stuff, and I was like, put the Wii U versions on it. Even better if you had the 3DS um, remaster remakes of Walking of Time and Jorah's Mask. Put as much as you can on it. I would just, just chuck money at them, and we never got it. I think they've said so, that the Switch is going to be like a 10-year lifespan, so I think they're just going to slot them in. They think they know they're going to make so many new Zelda so. games, so they're just dripping out the, the, the re-releases so, to fill in the gap years. I think we'll get them whilst we wait for Breath of the Wild 2. Oh, um, yeah. And... Uh, I, you know, whether that gets delayed or not remains to be seen. Uh, you know, we, we have to remember uh, Japan works very differently in terms of work from home and their COVID levels have been up and down just like ours. So kind of, I think one of the things I've heard like from different avenues that so could be absolute bullshit um, is the idea that maybe Wind Waker and Twilight Princess come to Nintendo Switch online with a physical release down the line. Um, mm. so wow. that, that would be interesting but um, you know we'll, we'll, we'll see they're very good games and everyone deserves to play every Zelda game mm. um, but- I, I got the Game & Watch for my birthday the other day it's got the first two and mm, the um, original Link's Awakening and it's such a cute wee thing quite impressed actually I got that that's something got- whisked away from my Christmas present yay <laughs> yeah, it looks so cool I've got I've got the Mario Brothers one I'm yeah be oh, to be fair it. To be fair, I've got two. Um, <laughs> not, I didn't. Bu- I didn't buy. You do. Scamper. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't buy two. One was one was kindly from Nintendo for review, oh. um, and one was from Nintendo to give away. So, oh. though I'm not even going to mention where, because by the time you listen to this, that competition's been and gone. Um, yeah, I'm and I will have sent this off. Christmas Day <laughs> this year, I'm going to stay with my mum, and. I just can't wait to play that, unwrap that on Christmas Day, and it's going to be like being going back to being ten years old again, and just being looked after by my mum. Christmas dinner made by my mum, and I'm just going to try and ignore everyone and just play as much Link's Awakening because I think that is, that I would have said that was my favourite Zelda game like a few years ago, anyway, before Breath of the Wild, just because it's just that playing it on the Game Boy when I was a kid was just such a kind of magical experience. I know there's better Zelda games, but just to be playing that on the Game Boy, just kind of you know, sat in the chair on my own, just it's great. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you. And Laurie, let us know, what is your favourite N64 game then? Well, I'm not going to say Ocarina of Time because that's kind of too obvious. And that is probably, I acknowledge that's probably the kind of more you know, seminal landmark yeah. game. But I, no, no, I'm going to say, say you I, my actual, the, soft, the thing that I remember most fondly is Lilac Wars. Or Star yes. Fox 64, if you will. And I replayed that was as soon as I got NSO downloaded. That was the first one I booted up. And another game that my son is really into watching us play through that. He's really, he, he loves it. He loves the fact it's kind of a branching levels. But that's just such a good game. I love the fact you can play through the whole game in like 30 minutes. It's such a good kind of comfort food game where you can just, and I kind of hadn't realized how much I'd missed that. Because when I had the S64 at the time, I always used to play that game so many times to find all the different routes. And you could just, if you just got, it's like watching an episode of your favorite TV show, you could just. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. out the whole campaign in thirty minutes, 
uh, get a cool ending. It's just so satisfying and fun, and it holds up so well now. It just looks because it's yes. kind of spaceships in space. It just looks looks great still. The the voiceovers and the sounds are still so iconic and just make you smile when you hear all the things they they come out with and stuff. Um, which that is, was like, one of the. Oh, sorry, that was one of the last games I remember when you go to school and people would be like, "Oh, have you gone this route? Have you gone under the waterfall? Have you done this?" Yeah, and it was just so cool to like to like switch what routes you could take and stuff. Mm. And it's some of those routes like you'd never. There's no it doesn't tell you some of them. But it's just that there are mm-hmm. there are archways to fly under. So of course, if you play it enough times after the sort of second and third time of playing it, you're going to fly for those archways just because you want to just sort of test <laughs> mm-hmm. yourself. You go, you're flying through this bit here. There's no, and they're so clever how they do it. There's no enemies to shoot around here. So you think, oh no, I'll just I'll just amuse myself by flying through these. And then you're like, oh hello, and now Falco's showing you some secret <laughs> passage through a waterfall. You're like, fuck, I'm clever, <laughs> and you're not clever because they've totally just. Yeah, you know, all the breadcrumbs have been laid to make you do that without realizing it. It's just <laughs> brilliant, just Nintendo design, but just yeah, it's just I love the kind of the movie references in it, the Independence Day's in it, Star Wars. It's just it's it's such a product of its time that holds up holds up so much better than most N sixty four games. Yeah, it's it's aged incredibly well. I think I think you're right because of the nature of the actual game. Um, and as well, like when we were playing that as kids, this is well before you know Game Facts. This is well before IGN. Or not technically, but you know, what I mean, the popularity of internet stuff. Like, we were just playing these games over and over, trying to find things. We mm. we had no idea what was going on. So the actual magic of discovering something was incredible. Mm-hmm. First game with Rumble Pack I as well. Doing. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, came with the Rumble Pack. Uh, just that uh, that alone was just like this is incredible. Like I can feel the game in my hands and constant game mm. of beat explosions and just like massive like spaceships blowing up. And just your controller yeah. going one absolutely of, crazy. One of the earliest games I remember hearing a lot of voice acting for the first time as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though some of it's maybe a bit naff these days, but like the report and like obviously the barrel roll and everything. Mm-hmm. And then me, me, wishing Slippy didn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. Early voice, voice acting peaked and failed all in one go. <laughs> um, oh, God, yeah. I think, I think mine... At the time, was probably Goldeneye, but in hindsight, you know, a few years on, I've played a load more and I've spent more time with them. I think my favourite N64 game is Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. Um, I, I I do think it's a better game than Super Mario 64. Okay. Um, I think it's got, I, I don't say this lightly, I think it's got better music. I think it's got better visual design in general. Um, uh, it might not be as tight mechanically, but it is a little bit loose around the edges. And it's just a bit more fun and a bit more like, it's a very cheeky thing. It's a very British game. Yeah, that sort of like tongue in cheek. God, like all, all the names they got away with and some of the humor in that game is so funny. Um, like it's, it's incredible. And I just think it's aged very, very gracefully. And I'm really looking forward to people getting to play it as well. I think it probably is like Super Mario 64. It might be a little bit difficult to kind of get your head around. Um, but once you kind of get the hang of like the Z uh, camera, you know, when you can kind of move behind yourself and stuff, it, I, I think it's it's aged very, very well. And it's got so many like different powers and fun stuff. It's like, oh, I, I genuinely, I'm like counting down the moments for it to be on NSO. I have an N64 and a copy of it, but you know, a version that, I know is going to work and I can save all the time. Like my old version mm. is so frail. Oh yeah, of course. Save states. The mm. fact that it's coming later as well kind of gives me hope that they do a really good job on the 
the port, I guess, or the emulation of it. Because they kind of they've said, yes. and Seth Bowser said this week, didn't he? That they're, you know, they're taking on board the feedback and they hear, hear people's comments and stuff. And I actually think the NSO um, implementation is pretty good. I don't have an issue with, with it, but um, the fact that they said that they're hearing people's comments and they're going to try and improve things going forward, which that might just be kind of corporate speak. Of course, they're going to say that, but I hope they are now thinking, <laughs> "Oh shit, we better <laughs> we better actually put in a bit more effort with these going forward." Especially if they're going to drip them out like one at a time, it allows them to focus on one game and yeah. make it really good. Yeah, because there was a big hoo-ha with everyone being like, oh, it's the PAL versions, and the PAL versions are rubbish. And I'm like, well, that's the ones that I grew up with and still sometimes play, and I don't really remember seeing anything or experiencing anything that put me off. Mm. Um, Anyway, when they came to the Nintendo Switch, they offered both the PAL and American versions, and it's the American versions by default. So if you wanted oh, to play, okay. if you if you want to play the power versions, you're going to have to go into a menu and switch to it. Okay, so what wasn't a big deal in the end anyway? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> the internet made a big deal out of it, Rose. You're right, <laughs> but yes. surprise, yes. surprise, never do that. <laughs> I think they had a really sharp though, and it kind of when you think back to N64, they were really blurry games, and I think the the emulation yeah. they do now they look really sharp, especially when you play it on handheld. It looks really nice. Yeah, I, I don't mind them at all. I think people's main issues, I've heard, heard people talk about like de- um, input delay, which is just going to happen with emulation. And I don't also don't think it's noticeable unless like you're actually digital foundry. Like I think most people aren't really going to understand that or aren't really going to have a problem with it. Uh, and then there was obviously some sort of issues with the emulation in Ocarina of Time where it wasn't registering things like fog. Mm. So it's... yeah. At the end of the day, um, you know, I think they've got one emulator that they're running everything through, which um, is probably not as perfect as the previous days where they, um, sorry, uh, back on the Wii U and the Wii, I think they kind of had um, uh, uh, this emulation process where they did each game one by one. Um, and they did what worked best. Whereas now, because they have so many more, and you know, I don't know why, but they basically have a catch-all system. So I think they are going to have some bugs like this that maybe they don't catch in Q and A. And and but as long as they say they're going to improve it, I'm perfectly happy with it. I think the service is fine. And if it means we start with this many games and we get so many more, then brilliant. Yeah, I, I'd rather you didn't work on bespoke emulators, but we only get eight games. Mm. Absolutely. So. People have to remember as well, like when these games came out, the old CRT televisions were very soft and very forgiving to a lot of the graphics because it kind of just smoothed yeah. out everything. And if you're playing it on a modern HD telly or on the Switch's uh, LCD screen, it, it's it's gonna yeah, it's gonna not look how you remember it, and you just need to kind of yeah. accept I that and move I on and get over. Especially noticed that with the um, the Super Mario 3D All Stars and Switch. Hmm. That obviously, the further away that you are in um, Mario 64, the kind of the low poly version pops up, and I never remembered seeing that on the TV because obviously the you know you wouldn't see that on the TV because it kind of yeah. blurred out a little bit, and I was like, oh my god, that's so weird. But then it's just what's going to happen. So yeah, that's it. The, the the limitations of the hardware at the time did hide a lot of these things, and obviously now just staring at it in crisp HD kind of yeah. li- kind of lifts the curtain. Like, if anybody hasn't already, um, check out CRT Pixels on Twitter. Um, they are, they show uh, kind of games pixel-perfect on modern kind of emulation and then shows their comparison, what it would have looked like through the CRT 
on actual classic CRTs. And the difference you see in some games is mm. insane. It just in the way because a lot of the time uh, models and pixels were made for CRTs. Mm. So the, they, were, they were made to bleed into each other. Colors were made to run to kind of give the impressions of things. So what we're seeing nowadays with a lot of these emulations is nowhere near what we saw when we were kids. You know, there's, some of it is like obviously nostalgia and we're like, oh, it looked different. But also sometimes, no, it genuinely looked very, very different because the hardware was so different. That, that site you were talking about, Nate, just gives you a real appreciation for the skill of pixel artists back in the day. To kind of, they, they were designing stuff as pixel art, but they had to kind of consider how it would look. Uh, you know how they had to kind of just understand yeah. how it would translate to a screen and design it for that, and then paint it yeah, in the, pixel the- art. They literally used to have computers and then a little like Sony CRT monitor that they were also working on. Like it's it's painstaking to think of what they worked with to make sure it all um, all, all like kind of gave life to it. Mm. Um, yeah. I, other than that, cool. You, you go, Laurie. There's one thing that I have to get in just when we were talking about. I don't know what's planned next, but NC4 came out and it was like the peak of gaming magazines and N64 magazine. Which is obviously the yes. best NC4 magazine there was at the time. Um, used to go to the newsagent, try and just go there in case it came out early every month. Uh, and Will Overton used to do all their covers and all their artwork inside it. I am so excited. He is got a piece in uh, Lock On Volume Two, and uh, it just if you'd have told what I've like, been twelve, thirteen year old me that I'm going to be in a magazine <laughs> alongside uh, Will Overton, it just I, I can't. I kind of makes me sort of smile and get all giddy thinking about it. I'm so like, so, so, so cool. I think I, I just, it, yeah, my writing is going to be uh, appearing in the same magazine. This is his artwork now. I'm so glad we got him uh, to do a piece for volume two. Um, that's so cool. Um, but yeah, that magazine, man. And you see now people on Twitter, people like referencing it and just sharing it. But there's so much kind of love for it. It was so cool. Yeah. Yeah, and very and very well deserved, Laurie. You're a very good writer. But you don't deserved <laughs> deserved to sit among these people. But, you know, no one's going to be looking back on IGN articles twenty years from now and just like uploading them online and sharing them and just uh, all their favourite kind of reviews from from back in the day. I suspect. Yeah, <laughs> and that, <laughs> no, to be fair, that is a shame because there's a lot of good writing sandwiched in between the the SEO chasing, which you know, mm. I write for a mobile games website, so trust me, I'm not writing my passion projects every single day. I'm writing, I'm writing the things that pay the bills that work, but I'm also getting to write things I care about. So I think it's, it's just a business and it's physical, that physical magazine too. Oh yes. But who wrote for Lock On? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Physical media forever. Right. Yep. So how are we feeling about a very quick game? Have we got time? Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Yep. Okay. Uh, so I'm tentatively calling this Nintendo 65, <laughs> Nintendo 63. Uh, which is essentially Nintendo 64, higher or lower. (laughs) So what we're going to go through is um, Nintendo 64 games and their worldwide sales. And I'm going to tell you the next game, and you need to tell me whether it's higher or lower. Um, we can we can do it competitively if you want. You can both say the same thing. You can. It doesn't matter if someone says lower, the other one doesn't have to say lower. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I forgot to take notes. Hang on. Uh, but I'm gonna we'll find out who the winner is at the end. So just to start us off, we're gonna start off with Lilac Wars. Um, no points to this, but can anybody get kind of have a, a ballpark guess as to what the sales for that were? <sighs> God. Can we just context then? So the N64 sold about 30 million, did it? 30 something million? Let's have a little look. N64 lifetime sales. I'm just I'm trying to think, like, now I could tell you roughly how much 
But I could tell you how old the 32, 32.93 million. There you go, that's not bad, is it? Okay. See, I've got no, I genuinely can't think that the game sell 10 million copies back then or not, because obviously they do now yeah. with Switch, but like. Yeah, I, I mean, nothing has like a a one to one attach rate on any console. Like, no. so I'll, I'll start you off then. So, Star Fox sixty four or Lila Wars uh, reached four million sales. Mm, impressive stuff. So, that, hey, that's resp- wait. If that was on Switch and we got to, we got to four million, we'd be very happy. Yeah. So doing that on Nintendo sixty four is incredible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So, okay, okay. Next up, we have Golden Eye. 64. I'm saying what we think. I'm saying higher for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to... Well, I'm not copying you, I promise. No, but no. I'm going to say higher as well. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> both going higher. You're both yep. absolutely right. We're starting off easy. Yay. Um, GoldenEye at 64 sold 8,090,000 copies. Wow. Which is a stonking success. It's very good for 32 million hardware. Exactly, exactly. So that's both That's both a win there. Uh, next up, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Mm. Mm. It's arguably arguably a better game, but did it sell better? Rose, you can go first there. Well, yeah, you would... Golden Eye probably had more worldwide appeal with people that A, like James Bond, and also just wanted to play... Oh, that's, I'm going to say lower... Interesting. Yeah. I would also say lower, but I'll say higher just to keep things interesting. <laughs> yeah, you, you play this however you want to play it, Laurie. I'm saying higher. Okay, okay. Uh, Legend of Zelda sold 7,600,000 oh. copies. That is lower. Yeah. I mean, not you, because, you know, but yeah. <laughs> hey, that's that's still incredible considering the no, install definitely. base. Yeah I, I, yeah, I was thinking lower just... Uh, just because Zelda games never really sell that well, do they? We always think of them as being like the, the key one, but they don't actually sell that well. Critically acclaimed, but very rarely do they sell in the, the kind of same numbers as Mario. Right. Next up, we have Diddy Kong Racing. Ooh. Saying lower. Lower than... Yeah, it's, it's... We're in an Ocarina of Time, which is 7,600,000. So Diddy Kong Racing, does that do more or less? I'm judging it by how, how many people I knew that actually had it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and there was one person I knew that had it, and that's the copy I would play it. I'm going to say lower as well. Yeah, you're both right. It sold 5,270,000. So that, Still again, that's numbers. banging. It's a, yeah. yeah, it's nowhere near Mario Kart. I haven't even got Mario Kart on here because Mario Kart obviously sold more than anything. Yeah. Uh, so that's <laughs> it's not on here. I'm very sorry, um, but yeah, that's incredible. That obviously, if we had some, if we had a non Mario racer to do that on Switch nowadays, that would be an incredible achievement. Yeah, definitely. Oh, fucking Mario Kart Eight Deluxe has just reached what 38 million units. It's the best selling Mario Kart ever. It's sold more than Mario Kart Wii. Isn't it? We're it's never the, getting nine. Isn't it We're the best, never getting nine. Isn't it the best selling? Game now after after Wii Sports, which I always say they shouldn't ever really count because no one actually bought Wii Sports, did they? I think it no, might no, be it their came, best. It came. So I think yeah, I think they're still Mario Kart Eight Deluxe I now think, is their best selling actual. Selling I think game. you might be right. Yeah, they're still advertising the uh, the Switch bundle for it for Christmas yeah, every, as like the main bundle yeah, to advertise. Every Black Friday, <laughs> like, I just I think everybody has it by now. Put that one out again. 
Oh god, I yeah, I I I look forward to Mario Kart Nine, but that is coming on the next Switch. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, probably. Right. So we're at we're at Diddy Kong Racing, which is five million and two hundred and seventy thousand. Next up is Pokemon Stadium. Mm, interesting. This is this like height of original Pokemon craziness? It is. It is. But not everyone had an N64. The Game Boy yeah, sold yeah. so much better. Yeah. But still, you are right. It was Pokemon Fever. Pokemon was in the cinemas. I know, I'm, my mum took me to see it, uh, fell asleep, woke up and the Pikachus were slapping each other, got upset and fell back asleep. <laughs> I, I cried both during the first movie and Pokemon the movie 2000. Yep. Oh. Yeah. There's one they've remade on Netflix now. It's all like CGI. It's quite cool. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a bit rough. I don't want to talk about that. So, no. Pokemon Stadium. <laughs> My son likes it. I, I'm going to say low. Yeah, I'm going to say lower. No. I'm going to say higher. Okay. We're at, bear in mind, we're at, we're at 5,270,000. Sorry. I'm going to say lower, just again, to be contrarian. Yeah. No worries. It is just higher oh, at five, 5,460,000. Oh. So, wow. well done, man. I, I know. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, Laura, that's two down for you. Um, <laughs> next up we have, and this is one that I do remember, but maybe maybe it isn't right up there with other ones, but it's still a good game. Um, Star Wars Episode One Pod Racer. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna... and, and again, this, this is the height of Star Wars fame all over again. Yeah. Mm, I'm going to say lower. Don't want to say the same thing, so just to be no, no you different, can I'll, I'll do, say higher. Do it however you want. There's no pressure. You can just say the same thing as me now and protect I'll, your lead. <laughs> I know. Well, there's that, but I'll say I'll say higher just to. Come on, make a game out of it. It sold lower. I'm very sorry. It oh. sold three million and one hundred thousand copies, which again, it's pretty. It's pretty damn good. That is another. We, game. we all know the best Star Wars game on this Rogue Squadron, anyway. <laughs> That is another game now. You go back and watch footage of that game. It's like 10 frames per second. You think, this is supposed to be like a super fast racer. And this is comically bad. <laughs> we may do, Laurie. Yeah, we, yeah, we love it at the time. I, I bought that game. I was one of the three million odd people that, that had it. Um, it's yeah, yeah. It so cool at the time. The graphics were amazing, if you're part of the frame rate. But the graphics were seemed really, really realistic at the time. Mm. Right. We're getting into the, the second half now. In the second half, oh, things get more difficult. Uh, by which I mean the disparity is lower, so uh, we're, we're, you know we're gonna have we're gonna have to see how we get on. So next up after Star Wars Episode One Racer at three million, we have Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Oh, higher, lower, one million and six hundred thousand. Ah, oh. that level pegging. Yeah, I'm very, that's it. This, this is all to play. For. This, is, this is exciting. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I'm going to say, Laurie, are you writing down the score as well? <laughs> right. Next up. So we've, we're on. We're on. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater at 1,600,000. Next up is Kirby 64, The Crystal Shards. This is uh, this is another game that I quite like in hindsight. I'm, I'm not even massive on Kirby games, but I think this is quite a good game. Oh no, I, lo- I, 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 my birthday the other day was literally Kirby themed. So <laughs> I love Kirby, um, but I know he's quite even for a Nintendo kind of thing. He's quite can be quite niche. Um, 
I'm going to say lower. Mm, I'm going to say higher just because, you know, it's a first party game. Got to beat Candy Hawks. Laurie, that's a win for you. That is oh. 1,770,000. Okay. It's respectable. It's not as much as I thought, but it's still respectable. Okay. Next up, we have Mario Golf. So we're at we're at one million seven hundred seventy thousand Mario Golf first party title. It's got Mario on the box. Yeah, it must be. It must be higher. I I I don't want to lead you. Anything can happen. Come on, Mario Golf. I'm I'm going (laughs) to say higher as well. I'm sorry. I don't want to be contrarian on that one. I strongly think it's higher as well. You're both wrong. It's lower. Really? It is one, oh 1,470,000, which is not a lot in the, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Um, okay. Next up, we have my favorite, Turok 2, Seeds of Evil. Do we think that sold more or less than 1,470,000? Mm. See, I would say higher, but then you have to buy the expansion pack to play it. Did you? Was it... Mm, yeah. Or maybe you didn't. Have, you yeah, maybe you didn't need it. Maybe uh, I'm going to say higher. I think I feel like that was quite a big deal at the time when that came out. I'll say lower. Okay, it's just lower oh. at one million four hundred thousand. It's exciting, though. <laughs> <laughs> Anything can happen. This is great. No, it's um, really tough with how well this is turning out. <laughs> <laughs> I like a game where no one can be wrong. Like, you know what I mean? You can't get stuck. Yeah. That's what I like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Last one. So we're at 1,400,000. Last one. And this is another game that I really love. But I didn't play until um, until the Wii U, in fact. Paper Mario or Mario RPG 2. Ooh. Now, yeah. So we're at, we're at 1,400,000. What do we think Paper Mario sold? Talk me this through. is hard because it has a huge following, that one. Mm. So, and it's got Mario on it. I'm gonna, I'll say higher. I'm going to say lower just to make life interesting. <laughs> okay, okay. It's lower. Oh my god! One million three hundred and seventy thousand. So I, th- I think I that puts you one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four. Oh, Laurie, you have just one. It is six to five. Wow! That was, that was neck and neck. That was exciting. <laughs> that was. That was good. Oh, I love it. Such a. I mean, this is why it's great just to copy other people's games that you know work. <laughs> And we all learn something yeah. at the same time. Well, I feel like that yeah. was kind of more just luck than any kind of judgment there. So, <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah. The, the last ones were all like within thousands of each other. <laughs> yeah. So, commiseration. Yeah. Never mind. God, you really, you really do forget that like the N64 didn't sell that well and the games didn't sell that well either. Like, obviously, through time and you know exposure to these things, you just think they're a bigger thing in their head. Mm. The Paper Mario one, I couldn't believe. Yeah, and that now, like, Ring Fit Adventure has outsold every game you just mentioned, <laughs> like, massively. Yeah. Luigi's Mansion <laughs> 3 has. Yeah, wow. Oh. 
Wow. We just mentioned three is a ten million seller. Super Mario Party is a as th- a ten million seller. But I mean, just go back to kind of then. Nintendo was it was a console for kids still, wasn't it? Like Nintendo's very much mm-hmm. it was trying to like PlayStation was going off the adults. Gaming is just such a different, yeah. so much from broader audience now. It's it's great like the where we are now compared to where we were then. But if you go back to it then, you it was something for teenage boys. Well, teenage boys who my my friend group teenagers to play. Uh, it was yeah. such a. Uh-uh. You know, definitely. I was because I was obsessed. I was definitely I had to downplay my obsession because it's like Ugh, girls don't play video games. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm like, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, it's just exactly. It's just such a better place now. The industry is much a healthier position now. Um, you don't have to yeah. be kind of. It's not embarrassing to to play. <laughs> I think I was. I think I was lucky because as much as I had mates who were like who were, who were bigger boys and I used to go around their house and they'd be playing Resident Evil and I'd be like, can I have a go? Um, I, I also had my, my younger brother is eight years younger than me. So we always had to have like games like Mario Kart and stuff. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm such a perpetual child to this day is because <laughs> as I was developing, I was still playing with a four year old. Like, <laughs> um, But yeah, I've got so many good memories of that console. God, I love it. And I cannot wait for Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie to be on NSO. Um, guys, do we want to talk about any of our, anything else before we round out? Any other N64 things you want to mention? Um, music oh go on then yeah let's let's do that well, very quickly that when you think of soundtracks to nintendo games it's always n64 games that are the first ones that come to my head um mainly because of grant kirkhope and rare <laughs> <laughs> the banjo kazooie soundtrack is probably one of the still one of the greatest soundtracks ever composed for anything ever and i will add in that he is originally from scotland so that's pretty cool uh um, Goldeneye soundtrack is absolutely amazing. The fact Funny. that he had, yeah, he had to like get, you know, it was still his original compositions and the way that he added in the kind of main James Bond theme was like so clever. Um, like if when you think of Mario 64, even Mario in general, I think of the first stage with, you know, the bombs and everything. It's just, uh, Ocarina of Time. I mean, the whole thing is you, you played an instrument. <laughs> that, that title screen is like burned in, in my brain now. Like, I, yeah. I, I wish I'd played that game as a kid. Like, oh, I did still play it when I was quite young, but imagine playing that as like an actual child on that loading screen must have been phenomenal. Mm. There's, um, the, you know, the forest temple in Ocarina of Time and how the music has this really creepy, like, voice in the background that mm. kind of plays it out. I used to think that was like an actual part of the stage. Like it was like a creepy fairy you had to try and find. And I would spend hours and hours trying to find the source of this voice. Amazing. And then it turned out, obviously, it was just in the background. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. That, yeah. I, I think it's a lovely time to look back on the N64. 25 years yeah. is a bloody, bloody long time. But, you know, we're still talking about the effects of these games. We're still talking about the legacy of things like Z-targeting, like the camera control in Mario 64. So it's it's an incredibly influential uh, console that kind of set the path for gaming to this day. It got even bloody rumble. That's still a thing nowadays, <laughs> isn't it? So God bless the little thing. It didn't do incredibly yeah. well, but we love it. I, I do wish um, that we could get back those transparent, cool-coloured versions of consoles at the N64. Oh, yes, mm. please. That's a trend that should come back. Imagine how many Joy-Cons they could sell if they just started bringing them out in those colours. I genuinely don't understand it. They keep bringing out, like, purple and orange, 
and just give us a clear one. Come on, lads. <laughs> you're taking people off of Etsy for selling them, and it's like, well, why don't you make one? <laughs> What's that? Leave leave the people on Etsy alone because they're filling a market you don't want to do. Yeah. Any, anyway, that's my last rant of the day. Um, we're going to close up. We're going to go to bed, guys. Right. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go around. Everyone, let me know where people can find you on social media and where they can find your work. Rose, you go first. Yeah, um, I am at, well, my name's Little Record Girl, but Little Record Girl, um, you can Google it and you will find all my stuff. Uh, I do voice acting, music, and I have some pieces on Tech Radar and some things in the works soon as well. Uh, so yeah, just search Little Record Girl and you will find me. <laughs> Amazing, thank you. Laurie, where can people find yourself? Uh, on Twitter, I am the Eggman 64 and keep backing those Kickstarters and you'll be able to keep reading me in lock-on every quarter. Amazing. And if you want to find me, I am at Nate and Destroy on Twitter. You can find me, I'm a regular staff writer for Pocket Tactics, if you care about Nintendo and mobile news. And also I am in uh, co- uh, lock-on very regularly and I've got uh, my big old Hollow Knight piece Working its way to people soon, which oh, I, I can't genuinely wait can't to wait to read that. Can I wait to read that? I am, I am really excited to see people's reactions to mm. it. I've never worked so hard on anything in my life. I, I know we've been saying so. the digital copies of it, but I don't want to read it. I want to wait till I have the actual thing to read properly. I did the same. I did proofing of my article, mm. and then I was like, I genuinely don't want to read anybody else's until I've got it in my hands. So yeah, because the first one was so strong. And my one, I wrote about spirit fairer for volume two and i just like it's really got a personal piece i actually can't wait for people to read it yes oh god i can't wait so yeah uh people who are looking forward eagerly to volume two it is coming we we're doing everything as quick as we can we want people to have it so hopefully we'll have more information to share in the future but i'm not going to say anything because i'm not in charge of those things <laughs> i'm not going to promise <laughs> it's not going to disappoint you put promise. it that way when you get your package yeah, in the post uh it's so much more than volume one was which was incredible anyway yeah. but just wait till you see all the stuff that's going to be coming with it exactly and god don't forget versus as well our bloody card game is coming about. with it yeah incredible. yeah, yeah. So, so we won't bang on about it. we talk about our magazine even though this is our magazine's podcast we talk about it all the time um but yeah awesome guys thank you very much for joining me i really enjoyed this no lovely trip down the n64 nostalgia lane and uh hopefully talk to you again soon thank you guys good night bye bye <laughs>